Hello and welcome to another edition of Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham, where Team Needham discusses everything healthcare. I am your host, Sean Needham, along with my producer, Lindsay, and we are streaming live from the Moses Lake Professional Pharmacy Studio today. Today, you do not want to miss this episode till the very, very end because we have two experts on today. Uh, my brother, Shane Needham, who has his PhD in analytical chemistry, and we're going to be talking about sugar chemistry. Is carbohydrates and sugar, are they the same thing? Labels might not tell you they're the same thing, but they might be the same thing. So um, check it out. Check out the whole podcast to find out more. And we have Tasha Stafford back again because she is a weight, she is an expert in weight loss. And we're just going to be talking about labels in general, um, protein, protein versus carbohydrates and all this gets confusing. All these macros get confusing when you read labels. We're going to specifically be um, focusing on carbohydrates and artificial sweeteners and natural sweeteners. Uh, we're going to be talking about that a lot. Um, what do they do to your blood glucose? What do they do to your insulin levels? Are they going to change them? Um, some You might be surprised, so stay tuned uh, until the uh, very last of the episode because we're going to be um, talking about this. So what I'm going to do first is I'm going to let Shane just describe um, what a carbohydrate is. Shane, welcome to our show and tell us what a carbohydrate is. Oh man, I wasn't expecting that question, but um, hey, thank you very much. It's great to be on your show. It is. I can explain it for you if you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So a carbohydrate. So it's it's one of the macros that we actually actually have in in that we actually have to use as calories for energy, and we have actually carbohydrates. We have proteins or fats. Those are the only things that our body need needs and it can use as calories. So if we eat paper, which is fiber, by the way, if we eat paper Cell or cellulose. cellulose, if we eat that, we're actually not burning up calories, even though chemically it actually in a bomb calorimeter, for example, it would actually have calories. It does not have calories how we are actually metabolizing it. So there's three things, protein, fats, and carbohydrates. We're going to be talking about carbohydrates today and artificial artificial and natural sweeteners, whatever that means, by the way. So a carbohydrate is just a way for your body to get energy. Most of that, most of that is processed through the glucose metabolism. Our body uses glucose to actually use energy. There's many ways we can get glucose. We can eat it. Our body will make it. We actually do not need glucose to survive. Our body will make it. We do not need carbohydrates to survive. Our body will make it from fats. Let let, let me just clear that up. Um, We don't have to get them exogenously. Correct. Okay. We do do need them because our body's preferred method of energy, and we could debate this versus keto and all that, but our body's preferred method of energy through the Krebs cycle is still glucose, correct? <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> okay. Uh, that I know. Available. Biochemically speaking, and if you talk to um, um, a, a um, biologist, you would that that's what they would say with the Krebs cycle. But when you start talking diet with ketones and things like that, People would debate that. So let's just go on. Yeah, we better move on from that one. So <laughs> our body will make glucose through gluconeogenesis and so on and so forth. But anyway, so carbohydrates are just a, a – your body uses glucose, and your body will sometimes take glucose molecules and put them together, and that's called polymerization. And it makes more than one mo- more than one molecule, then makes what we call glycogen, and that can be stored in your liver. That can also be stored in your muscles, and that is sometimes there's seventeen hundred to two thousand of those glucose molecules put together, and that's called glycogen. And then your body will chop up those glycogens and use glucose as fuel until it's depleted from your liver and your muscles. And so that's kind of a carbohydrate in general. Our body uses them for energy, but we don't have to ingest them. Um, We can actually um, use our body will make them for fuel. Our body cannot make protein and our bodies cannot make fats, Um, but it can use fat and protein to make actually glucose. So that's kind of carbohydrate in in general. So let's get into the um, more – simple definition of a carbohydrate, i.e. let's get into the the breakdown of the root word of carbohydrate. Tell us what carbohydrate means, Shane, and what that means when we um, consume carbohydrates. Yeah. So carbohydrate means carb, um, means carbon, 
And carbon is actually a molecule, has a, a atomic mass unit or a molecular weight of 12 in the in the periodic chart. If you look at them, it is actually the most common. Well, it depends. Most common biological actual element out there. Um, so it, 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 what, it's, it's really what it, what makes something living versus non-living yeah. per definition yeah. of science. And fats and glucose and proteins all have carbohydrate, all have carbon in them. Hydrate means water, hydrate or hydration, right? It means water. So carbon hydrates with water. And if you look at the actual structure, we're going to be looking at some structures. We're not going to talk about a lot of chemistry today, but we'll be looking at some structures. If you look at the structure of of, of glucose, for example, or sugar molecules or carbohydrates, you'll notice that they have carbon and then water attached to them in one way or another through hydrolysis reactions. Again, we won't talk too much about that, but that's, that's how you, that's a carbohydrate. So you have carbon and water and that makes carbohydrate. Okay. So for every one gram of car, uh, for every one gram of carbohydrate, of carbohydrate, we consume, how much water does it pull into our body? Um, that is debatable. And I think that might even be biologically different between person to person. They say at least four times in general. So it's in that range. So for example, if you ate, for example, 150 grams of, of carbohydrates, which is easy to do actually for most people, that's, I don't do that on a normal basis, but you'll absorb, let's see, that'd be 450, 500 grams of, of actual uh, water and guess what that water weight is. So when somebody eats a lot of chips or something or, or, or a lot of, uh, a lot of sugars and all of a sudden they weigh four, it's like, I didn't eat much and I weigh four more pounds than I did yesterday. Well, it's because your body's hanging on to the water. That's right. That's right. Okay. I wanted to clear that part up. So, um, now let's go into a little bit more of talking about the, the, um, the glucose versus the dextrose. And let's just get into a little bit, um, a little bit more sugar chemistry. Let's go into monosaccharide versus disaccharide. Shane, I know, I know you weren't prepared for this, these questions, but um, you know, I figured since you're the chemist, you're not going to be scared that I'm going to throw them on you. So let's talk about monosaccharide versus disaccharide because this is going to be important. So stay with us folks, because this is going to be important when you're reading these labels, because sometimes these labels will have a monosaccharide or disaccharide on them. It's important to know the difference because sometimes manufacturers will lose, use tricky terms because they know sugar or sucrose is a bad word. So they'll try to name it something else when in reality, it's the same thing. So Shane, let's go into monosaccharide and disaccharide. Yeah. Okay, so monosaccharide and disaccharide. Monosaccharide means mono, that means one. So that means one sugar molecule. And remember, a sugar molecule, saccharide means sugar. Okay, that's another way to say sugar. And uh, sugar could be, we'll maybe get into this, but it could be glucose, it could be fructose, it could mean galactose. Those are kind of the three main sugars. Those are all monosaccharides. You start putting more than one of those together, that now you start making disaccharides. For example, sucrose is a glucose molecule and a fructose molecule together. And that makes a, a disaccharide. And so, and I think galactose and glucose is lactose. That's correct. So, no, that's kind of lactose, as we most know. That's kind of like milk sugar. And fructose, so, by the way, is fruit fruit sugar. Fruit sugar. Yeah. So those are those are probably those are the three main monosaccharides are are galactose, glucose, and and um, fructose. Okay. So um, let's let's get into some let's let's talk a little bit about sugar alcohols, and then we'll get into more just to to introduce them, and then we'll get more into the uh, into the details. Um, if you guys read on the back of packages, um, Tasha. Go ahead and if you don't mind, put your comment in here because we were talking about something about, um, you know, sugar alcohols and how you'll read it on the back of a package and because they don't want to say sugar or, you know, so when you see sugar alcohol, what are you talking about, about subtracting calories and what, what, how confusing it is? Go ahead and, and comment on that. So on nutrition labels, we we count macros, right? Which is what you guys talked about. Your protein, your fats, and your carbs equal total calories, okay? So protein, four calories per gram. Carbohydrates is four calories per gram. Fats are double, nine calories per gram. So if you were to look at the back of a nutrition label and do the math, you'll kind of notice that the calories don't always add up, right? 
And that's because of the net carbs and the sugar alcohol that manufacturers have cashed in it on and kind of created their own category. So it gets super confusing to the consumer because it's like, okay, am I counting? Like I get this question all the time with my bariatric clients. Should I be counting total carbs or net carbs? You know, what, what's going to give me the difference in my, in my weight, the fastest and the most sustainable. And that's a good question because you know, does net carbs really impact weight loss? And what you have to do is you have to subtract. So net carbs, you're subtracting in whole foods, the fiber. In processed foods, you're subtracting the sugar alcohols. But the rule of thumb is that you subtract half of the sugar alcohols because that's what's assumed that your body will absorb. Well, how confusing is that? How, how is the, the, just the average consumer supposed to know that? It is very confusing, and let's just define sugar alcohols a little bit. So probably one of the most popular ones is sorbitol, and if you think about um, sorbitol, think about sorbitol in, in hard candy. Sorbitol is usually a lot in hard candy, uh, maybe in gummy bears, but another sugar alcohol is xylitol, erythritol is one of the most popular ones now, and you'll look at a lot of keto recipes, and you'll see erythritol, and you'll see... and you kind of wonder, it's like, well, what are these sugar alcohols? They are, they're calling them sugar. So what are they? And just like Tasha says, they, they still are going to affect your calories. Um, just not as much. Usually it's about half the calories of what a, um, a regular carb would be. And it's not that they don't have the same, they, it's all actually there. It's just the way our body processes it. They can't be absorbed as well. So when they're not absorbed, you're only absorbed about, about half of it. Um, and they are sweet, like like carbohydrates. So they can be used for to help sweeten things. But there again, just because you know, um, it doesn't mean that they don't affect your blood sugar. They will. Um, they can. And um, a lot of times, too, one of the problems with them, too, is because they're not absorbed. If you get too much of them, they will cause diarrhea. So, um, Shane, do you have – I know you've done lots of tests because you have um, a close family member that has type 1 diabetes. Have you done any tests on sugar alcohols and how they affect blood glucose? Yeah, Absolutely. And there's actually some really good research on this through Dr. Bernstein's Diabetes Solutions book. And so uh, my son is a type 1 diabetic. He's an adult now. But when he was diagnosed over 10 years ago, I wanted to see if he could have artificial sweeteners. And me being a scientist, I turned it into a science project. He actually, he actually won a poster award at his local science fair for actually doing the test. But we tested all the, all the non-caloric um, artificial sweeteners and see what they did to his blood glucose. And every single one of them, um, you know, Stevia, Splenda, um, and we'll, we'll get into this a little bit later. They actually raise his blood glucose, monk fruit, all of them raise his blood glucose besides Stevia drops. Stevia liquid did not raise his blood glucose. And so, um, certainly they affect your blood glucose. If you look at some of these like erythritol, they're very similar to sugar chemistry. The sugar molecule looks very the same. They're actually usually chlorinated, which I think has some whole other potential toxicity issues and whatnot. And um, so anyway, they're very similar. So does your body treat them as a sugar? I, maybe they can, maybe they can't. And it actually might be also individual too. What they do to one person, they may not do it to another person. And so, but for him as a type one diabetic, they affected his, his blood glucose levels. I think that's good to know. So thank you for sharing that story. So, um, let's, let's, uh, move on with, um, with, um, some specific, uh, um, chemical identities and we can talk a little bit about, about packaging in general. Um, Tasha, do you have anything else to add to our conversation quite yet? Well, there's a new one out there called, I know we've discussed this, impact carbs. So impact carbs are <laughs> the same as net carbs. So it's a new, it's a new marketing one, right? So, so when it comes to labels, it's now as a consumer, we have to look for all this stuff. And then, um, so Shane, you know, I get a lot of questions on, um, more type two diabetes around this. Um, and may, so maybe as you guys talk about how it impacts the body, you can chime in on, on type two diabetics as well. Well, I, let me, you know, let me um, comment on that first of all. First of all, you know, diabetes, diabetes mellitus, let's just, let's 
let's say that because um, you know there are different. There is a different type of diabetes, insipidus, which is different than than um, sugar diabetes. Diabetes mellitus means basically literally means honey siphon. It means you're literally urinating out honey. That's what diabetes mellitus means. And um, type one or type two, it's the same thing. You are urine. You're urinating out. Um, glucose, which means you have an excess of glucose in your body. Now, there are some different manifestations of what causes type 1 versus type 2, although there's some overlap now also. I wouldn't say now, but there always has probably been somewhat. Type 1 diabetes usually means your pancreas is not making enough insulin. And that means, used to be years ago, they would call it juvenile onset diabetes, um, and they would also call it insulin-dependent diabetes. Well, now, because we have so many type 2 diabetics, um, and type 2 diabetes is coming down into juveniles because we have so much insulin resistance. We don't call it that anymore. We don't call it juvenile versus adult onset diabetes. So type 1 diabetes, type 2 diabetes. Type 2 1 diabetes is usually your, in, your pancreas doesn't make enough insulin. Type 2 diabetes means your pancreas makes enough insulin. Your body's just not sensitive to it. Usually you have really high insulin levels with type 2 diabetes. Bottom line is... This is the bottom line, and a lot of people don't like admitting this. Diabetes mellitus, whether it's type 1 or whether it's type 2, is a carbohydrate metabolism problem. That means that whether you're type 1 or whether you're type 2, you need to be very careful with carbs. Um, Shane, I know you're very passionate about this subject, and because you have a son that has type 1 diabetes, will you please elaborate on that? Well, yeah, you know what? Especially be having a son with type 1 diabetes, it's actually a little bit frustrating that they're even called the same thing. But they are because it means you're excreting sugar, uh, honey. That's, uh, you know, that's what, you're, that's what the, the name diabetes mellitus is, is. But so your urine would turn sweet. That's how they used to diagnose it way back in the Roman days, okay? Um, I wish they weren't even called the same thing because one is environmental, um, and it is usually reversible, and that's type two. That's usually as you get older, um, or and you have bad diet, and you don't take care of yourself, and you overeat, um, and you're usually obese. You get di- type two diabetes. Type one, usually it's a juvenile onset, and it's for they don't really know why. Some of it could be environmental. Some of it could be viruses. Some of it could be we don't know. Some of it, it there are links to genetics now. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. And so um, we don't know. Here's what we do know. It's more common now than it used to be. And we don't really know why that is. Is it because of our poor processed food diet? We don't know. Is it because is it because their mother was a gestational diabetic because she didn't eat very well during pregnancy? Absolutely. There's There are correlations there. There yep. are correlations there. And certainly their mother what, did have gestational diabetes. And and so that's a possibility. And so the, the I, why I want to separate those is because a type 1 diabetic – they, it's, it, it's not reversible. You're going to have to use insulin the rest of your life. Whereas it's my understanding, Sean helps treat type two diabetics. And how many of you have you reversed? And Tasha, you're probably been in the same way. How many times have you seen somebody through diet and exercise reverse their type two diabetes, Sean? We, we go ahead, Tasha. I'll let you speak first. Well, on bariatrics, it's super high because obviously at the weight that we're starting at, we have bariatric surgery to lose the weight. And part of our diet is to be for life lower carb, you know? So the, the success rate for, for, for reversing type two diabetes is super high in the bariatric community. And for me, almost all of my clients have reversed, have reversed it, but I have some new ones coming on that are still type two diabetic, but like you guys said, it's carb sensitive. And so when people regain weight, it's typically because they're eating excessive carbs. Yep. And, and Tasha, that's why I love having you on because you have first world experience with this. And, you know, I think a bariatric patient is a perfect extreme example of how if you lose weight, your diabetes goes away. We just had a gal on our, our podcast last week and she talked about how, um, you know, she had a type two diabetic come in, you know, on five different medications and they got them off all but one medication. And the goal is to get them off that one. Here's my personal opinion. I say this as a pharmacist and I, I like saying this publicly because I believe in it. I'm passionate about it. I personally do not believe in long-term treatment of type two diabetes with medication. It is a diet 
and lifestyle disease. And I would tell you, um, and of course, I'm going to, I'm going to say that, you know, don't go off your medications if you're a diabetic. Don't go off them, but you do have hope that you don't need to be on those medications long-term. There are long-term and short-term side effects from those things. So it is possible to get off all your diabetes medications. And I can tell you this, if I had that horrible diagnosis of diabetes and uh, you know my exercise wasn't working or my weight loss wasn't working, here's what I would do. I just would not eat carbs, period. And you know, your diabetes would go away. Um, If you don't have carbs, your diabetes would go away. Shane um, can explain in Dr. Berenstein's book how he talks about that, that there there are even certain type one diabetics that just don't eat carbs and they need very little insulin. So, you know, there are, there are definitely stories of that. So there again, type two diabetes is reversible, whereas type one isn't. That's what's important to, to, um, to differentiate here. So, um, let's move on. Shane, you want to talk about some sugar chemistry with specific uh, molecules and structures? Yeah, sure. So let me get get into the the consumer or the normal consumer of what how we're going to look at things and how we're going to see labels and look at labels and look at sweeteners and stuff like that. So I've got a couple in front of me here. These are both based on stevia. Okay, so this is called Truvia. So it's based upon the stevia leaf. It's an extract, and this is a solid. So I can shake it. You can hear it moving. You can add it just like you can a sugar to baking or something like that. And so um, you can use this for keto baking or paleo baking, those kind of things. Okay. And so it, it, it's really good. Now let's look at the, look at the, ing- the ingredients. The main ingredient is, is erythritol and stevia leaf extract. Okay. And then I have, I have stevia drops. The only ingredient in this is stevia leaf extract. Now, why is that important? Because anytime you look at a powder type extract or a powder type sweetener, there are going to be additives to it to make it anti-caking, to make it more sweet, to make it have a longer shelf life. For example, with this right here, if you actually don't refrigerate it for a long, long time, it'll start growing bugs. It will actually get bacteria in it. No preservative. No preservative. Okay. And so, so that's the important part. In other words, a lot of the times this has dextrose added to it, which remember is just glucose or maltodextrin, which is just mini glucose is put together. Stevia so, in the raw has dextrose. And, and let's just talk about why another reason they put those fillers like, in there. Yeah, yes. it's like, yeah, but it's in a packet. Yep. Correct. Here's one of the reasons they put those fillers in there too, Shane, is it's it's really strictly out of convenience. Because if you think about how potent like stevia or or you know saccharin is really potent. So if you think about how potent they are, you would just have a few granules of saccharin to because it's 300 times more more potent than than sucrose. So you just have a few little granules, which wouldn't be very convenient in a packet. So they've got to add some fillers to it. Yes, partly for anti-caking, but also just to fill up to make it more, to, um, to fill up, to fill it up. So it makes it more convenient to put into a solution. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead, Jane. Okay. So if we bring up the, if we bring up a glucose molecule compared to a maltodextrin molecule, make sure you look at your labels. You people that are eating protein bars and protein powders. I eat those two. I eat protein powders. Um, be, be, be wary of these labels and, and how you read them. Okay. So on the left, you'll see a glucose molecule. That's what our body processes for energy, okay? On the right, you'll see maltodextrin. And all the only, so a lot of times you'll see in in protein powders and certain food additives, so on and so forth, and in, in, in labels, you'll see maltodextrin. All that means is glucose. So that is a sugar. You know, it that is a sugar. Carbohydrates are sugar. Glucose is sugar. Maltodextrin is sugar. And so um, don't just read the label and look at sugars. Look at these other hidden additives that are also going to raise your blood glucose levels. It's also going to make you more insulin sensitive. And it's all, so it's, it's, it's probably not the most healthy choice in the world. Okay. And so maltodextrin is just, I believe it's between two to 17 glucose molecules put together. And that's just called a, like, it's a, it's a polymer or it's a polysaccharide multiple or many sugars. And so be careful of you seeing these. They'll also see in some food additives, you'll see a, a molecule that's added or an ingredient that's added that's called dextrose. 
That is another name for glucose. Just go look at it historically. It's another name for glucose. So that's just something to be careful of when you look at these, when you look at these two molecules and what's going to be added to certain um, nutritional ingredient, nutritional ingredients. It, it's just like labels in general. You just have to be very careful. And just like Tasha was talking about, um, what was it, Tasha? Impact carbohydrates? Is that what it was? Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's a new one on some, on some protein bars is impact carbs. Yeah. And, and I, I've never seen that or heard of that. And it's just when, when things go out of favor because they're, they're, you know, high fructose corn syrup is another one. So people know that, you know, there's a, that, that's kind of in the press that, you know, high fructose corn syrup might be bad for you. So you got to watch some labels because they're coming up with some funky names to kind of hide that. <laughs> I can't remember what I was reading the other day, but it was, it was something to hide that. So just realize um, sugar is sugar, whether it's, maltose or dextrose or um, lactose or glucose or maltodextrin you know there's a lot of different ways to name it so um perfect shane you well, want to go into go ahead tasha it's a manufacturer it's a manufacturer's job to capture the market share so they gotta they gotta get market share from their competitors so they're gonna be very very creative in what they do on their labels to capture that market share and with the FDA, you know, it's there's regulation around, okay, here's total carbs, here's net car or uh, uh, fiber, here's sugar alcohols, but there there's a big gray area on all this other stuff going on around, you know, impact carbs. So so from a manufacturing standpoint, they can get they can get by with this and get really creative with packaging and it's going to lure the consumer in thinking, oh, that that looks really good. I can have all this chocolatey creaminess goodies because it only has two net carbs. But like you guys are speaking about, there's, there's a difference in the way the body responds. And so it's very, very tricky. And, you know, especially like, look at, look at my client's health bariatrics, right? We're a lot of them are just learning labels and how to read them. So it gets very confusing. And then they're wondering why they can't keep, you know, maybe they're, uh, uh, levels in check because the late it's not their fault it's the labeling yeah for sure and i think so so tasha let's just go ahead while we're talking about that so um sometimes that you know the macros that's where the macros get confusing and um so do you what do you tell them do you tell them well you know, look at the overall calories of, of what you're consuming too. Um, cause isn't bottom line if, 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 if food, you know, we talk about macros, whether it be fat, carbohydrate or protein is just a fuel for our bodies. Shouldn't total calories really be maybe one of the most important factors. So what do you tell those patients? Um, Tasha. So I, I do in my education with my private coaching clients or in my back on track program that I just started, which is, which is selling out every month, which is great. I Good teach a whole, a whole course on nutrition labels, right? And part of that whole course, well, it's, it's a whole lesson on nutrition labels. And I go pretty deep in, um, in a online presentation around alcohol labels. But here's my rule of thumb is count total total carbs total calories calculate the calories yourself because i think from and you guys will appreciate this from a data standpoint right the more accurate your data is the better your outcome can be because you'll have true data if you're flip-flopping you know and, and i and in in my world what i see is i see a lot of flip-flopping going on between like keto and then, I, no, I, I want carbs, so I want to eat balanced again. So they flip-flop back and forth. And so for me, I'm looking for a sustainable way for my, my clients to maintain so they can lose all their weight and they can reach goal weight and they can, you know, live a, a nice, healthy life. Um, so my rule of thumb, I, and this is what I preach all the time on my, in my groups and on my page, is count total. Just, just count total. It eliminates all this gray confusion of what you should be doing. Just calculate it up yourself and total. Because here's the thing too, is if you're trying to track your macros and stay within your calories and you, say you use MyFitnessPal and you're scanning in the labels, 
Well, some labels are to do total carbs, but to some of them are net carbs. So they could throw your macros out of whack because of the way they're scanning in. And so then it even gets even more confusing to somebody right. who's not as tuned into things as we are, right? Right. You, you have to be careful with the way those carbs are tracked in MyFitnessPal. I find errors all the time. I use MyFitnessPal. I don't think there's anything against it. I don't have anything against it. I think one thing is that you have to be consistent. And I think, um, you know, like you say, be consistent with something and and stay with that. Um, but also, let's let's just let's just talk about this while we're talking about labels is that, you know, um, Shane talked about he eats protein powder and he'll eat protein bars. And I do also, sometimes that's just all you can get in certain situations um, and you need something. But, but let's face it. I know, you know, I go to the store and I try to find a healthy protein bar and I should, I don't know. I don't really want to pick on one. So I'm not even going to say a name, but you look at it. It's like, Oh, 30 grams of protein. And you look at that bar and it really is no different than a Snickers bar. It's no, no different than a, than a, um, than a payday bar, payday <laughs> bars, because they have lots of peanuts. They actually have quite a bit of protein. So here's still what I stress. Stay away from packaged food. If it doesn't rot, don't eat it. Does that make it more difficult to track your macros? Absolutely, it does. Does no, it make it better? No, well, no, it's <laughs> the opposite. It's not. Well, I if you, you track your four, macros, if you eat four ounces of ground beef. You know exactly how much fat and how much car and, and and how much protein you're getting. Okay, well, Go let's just people. say you don't completely because you know what kind of is it seventy percent? Is it ninety percent lean? What kind you're of lean? Package. I know you can. Here's one of the things though. I, I, I love it, and, and I weigh my food. Some people will not weigh their food, but I'm all into weighing your food, and then it is more accurate, but it's not as easy as scanning a package. There again, I if, if it doesn't rot, don't eat it. Stay away from packaged food. So that alone will, will help stop some of the confusion when it comes to um, you know eating based on labels. Tasha, do you have anything to say about that? Well, ground turkey is not as good as – sometimes a protein bar right so <laughs> right. but you are correct yes because okay so so there's like you said there are some protein bars out there that have some pretty good stats right but they taste like a candy bar so like in my field they taste like a candy bar so then what are you doing oh i want one oh i want another one of those and then what you find is because there's a lot of transfer addiction that happens after bariatrics to candy or to alcohol. There's huge transfer addiction. And I think that that's a contributing factor to it because there are all these protein bars deemed healthy because they yep. have protein, but yet they taste like a can. So then what does it trigger? And then how does it affect your blood sugars? But mentally, how does it trigger you? And so it's, I think you guys are right. I think, I think the, the cleaner you can eat, the more successful you're going to be, but also realizing that in our society, right, we need a little bit of convenience too, but to, it, it's still, I always operate by like the 90-10 rule, you know, 90% whole food and go as minimal processed as you can, the better off you're going to be in the, in the long term when you are successful with your weight loss, you reach goal and keeping it off because the regain after bariatrics is super high. So, yeah. Thank you for that, Tasha. I, I, I always appreciate you um, um, throwing your good information in there. Shane, good, let's go on. To, go ahead, Shane. What were you going to say? Well, that's a good point that she talks about is that um, that's one thing that Dr. Rob Wolf talks about and also Dr. Bernstein talks about. When people actually use artificial sweetener, it, it, it makes them crave more sweets. And so, and I, I, I think it's the same way with me and it's, it's, so it's, uh, it's another reason to maybe get rid of them. And if we think about, um, Jack Lalonde, he lived to be almost a hundred years old and he was the guy that basically jumping jacks were, were actually invented in, invented or named for. And he, he, I was remember, he was doing his radio show like a week before he died. <laughs> yeah, he was. I had no idea he was sick. And then the next thing he got like some kind of a lung infection and died and his daughter wanted him to go to the hospital and she said, no, they would kill me. And so he just <laughs> 
But he said, here's one of the things that he said to his longevity. If it tastes good, spit it out. There's probably, there's probably truth in that. I, I'm going to argue that because you know what? Um, I love ribeye. Should I spit it out? That's a good point. Yeah, that's a good no. point. Yeah. Now, I can tell you, I can't eat. Usually, depending, depending on the situation, I just can't personally eat more than 12 ounces at one sitting. It just, yeah. I, I sometimes don't even weigh it. And, and then I do, or I do before the fact, and I'm like, or after the fact, after I ate part of it, and it's always like almost 12 ounces. I mean, just that's, you know, so it's hard to, it's hard to overeat. Just like Tasha says, it's easy to overeat a candy bar or a protein bar that tastes like candy, but it's hard to eat real, overeat real food. It is. Yeah. After bariatric, we're down to like three or four ounces. That's, I'm eight years post-op and I'm three or four, four ounces of a dense protein. So if it's like uh, chicken breast, steak, the denser it is, the, the less I can get in fish, I can get in a little bit more because it's a softer protein. But, you know, sometimes I want that, like maybe six or seven ounces of ribeye and I get three. <laughs> that's right. That's max <laughs> A pound of chicken is 400 calories. Do you know how hard it would, how I've tried it. I can't eat a pound of chicken. You know what, dude, six ounce chicken, a four ounce chicken breast. I'm done. And that's a hundred calories. I know. (laughs) Amazing. Very dense. Yeah, it is. It is. Proteins are very, um, satiating. Yeah. So let's get into, I think we're going to um, look at some pictures too. What was the first one you wanted us to put up there, Shane? We're going to talk about um, some of the pictures you sent us today of some of the labels of, art, of artificial, artificial or natural sweeteners. Yeah, I think we're going to put up sweet and low. So just the package of yellow or package of uh, the, the pink, I think, a sweetener. Yeah. yeah. And okay. if you guys, I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit of history before we before um, Shane gets to discuss it, but there's a packet. I'm holding one up and there's a picture. Um, Sweet and low is the pink. You know, it is the pink. It was probably one of the first artificial sweeteners. It goes back into the 1800s actually. And it was kind of discovered serendipitously like a lot of scientific stuff is. But um, what artificial sweeteners do is they try to work at our sweet receptors, which are usually um, proteins, they try to work in the, on on that same protein like a sucrose would. So that's what they're trying to mimic. And um, sweet and low is one of the first ones. Um, really, if you look at the history of artificial sweeteners, is that I think it's interesting that artificial sweeteners never really gotten popular, really popular. And, you know, Tasha and maybe Shane can help me with this. They never really got really popular until the 1970s, which is interesting because that's when Americans started getting fat. So I find it interesting as artificial sweeteners got popular that, you know, the the obesity rate in America came up. So I don't know if Tasha, if you have any comments about that um, and if you've seen if, 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 if that's what your experience is. I don't know about what date they got popular, but I know just in the eight years since I've had bariatrics, it's huge. I mean, I'm seeing artificial sweeteners and everything. And then after bariatrics, it's like, how do we get our water in? Artificial sweeteners in our water to flavor it, to make it taste good. So, I mean, they're in at least my community, they're, they're a large part of our diet. Perfect. And go ahead and tell us about sweet. Tell us about this package, this labeling. So if you look at it, you look at the ingredients and you kind of have to zoom in. So look closely, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're watching online and I, I love, I love the marketing that the food companies do here. Thank you, Sean. It says, look at the first ingredient. That would be Lindsay. <laughs> Great, Lindsay. Thank you. The first ingredient is nutritive dextrose. What the heck does that Nutritive. Mean? I mean, I, I, talk about a marketing gimmick. Nutritive dextrose. Somebody's. <laughs> You know, an, an educated person, and I say that, I say that in all, in, you know, just with, because if you don't know any better, you're going to read that and think, that sounds good for me. Right. <laughs> well, what that means is nutritive glucose, nutritive sugar. It probably means, I don't know, it probably means it has calories, even though this is, says it's marketed as a zero calorie sweetener. That's because you're taking very little of it. And then we look at the next ingredient is soluble saccharin. And then we look at cream of tartar and uh, calcium silicate. That's to make it so it doesn't stick together and so on and so forth. And so, in other words, anytime you're going to look at any of these powdered type sweeteners, 
there's going to be some type of an agent, maltodextrin or dextrose in it, that is actually has calories. You're taking very little of it, so they can actually label it as zero calories. But and well, let, let's 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 go back on that too, Shane. Is that actually um, the, per the FDA's guidelines, the USRDA guidelines, uh, anything that has five calories or less, um, you can actually say it has zero calories. Is that right? Now, Right. Now, here's what's interesting. That's per serving. That's why sometimes you'll see, you know, if it has 4.5 calories, they'll they'll round it down. They'll say it has zero calories. But if it has two servings in that, if, if there's two servings in that in that box, it'll say it has 10 calories. Interesting. So that's why it's important to just read labeling. Now, is five calories going to kill us? No, not necessarily. But Shane did talk about how important it can affect our glucose. And if you're a diabetic or if you're sensitive to glucose, which really we all really are, and if we get too much glucose, we'll all eventually be diabetics um, if our insulin does not respond appropriately. So um, let me tell you why you know, that so, let me tell you why that four calories matters. For if you're a type one or a type two, let's just say type one, because type twos in general, I am I am actually putting you in a big category. In general, you probably really don't care about adequate glucose control. That's why you're in the situation in the first place. So your blood sugars, and your doctor will tell you this, and the American Diabetic Association will tell you this too. They will tell you that it's okay to have blood sugars between 80 and 200. Well, that's a disaster, disastrous recipe for losing your legs, losing your eyesight, losing your kidneys, okay? Um, for those Dr. Bernstein patients who my son was and followed his protocols, remember, you're between 80 and 100 all the time. So let me give you an, an example of how, how strictly controlled he was and we couldn't figure this out. And as a scientist, I finally put two and two together. We had dialed in his diet like crazy. We knew how much insulin he should take to be between 80 and 100, 105, 110 all the time. And he was. A1C of less than five. Very, very healthy. Remember, 80 is not a low blood glucose number. I don't care what your doctors, your endocrinologist tells you. It's not low. That's what mine is probably right now. That And type 1 diabetics can do it healthily, okay? Sean Bakers was 62 this mor last yesterday morning. <laughs> he had a 53 this weekend as well. <laughs> oh, did he? 14-hour <laughs> <laughs> fast. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. And so – Point of it is, in the morning we we had dialed in all of his food, we had dialed in his insulin, we had dialed in, you know, all of his all of his protocols to when he should take insulin, how much, and how much if he eats a little bit of carbohydrate. Remember, very very low carbohydrate eater, because you're going to have a roller coaster ride if you're insulin dependent, type one or type two. You're going to have a roller coaster ride of blood glucose levels if you ha have any type of substantial carbohydrates. Anyway, I figured it out. What it was is he was taking gummy vitamins, one a day. There you go. And it pushed his blood glucose level up about 10 to 15 points every day. And, and remember, I talked about that early on, is that gummy bears have sorbitol in them. That's a sugar alcohol. So that's partly what was spiking his, his glucose right there. Probably. Yep. Yeah. So we, I, I took those, even though three of my kids didn't have diabetes, I threw those things out the window in the trash can because we just don't need them in our house. And so anyway – so that, you know, like you said, Sean, a serving size, maybe less than five calories, uh, one gram, maybe two grams of, of glucose or whatever, that can affect your blood glucose level. It absolutely can. For sure. Do you know For how sure. popular those are in the bariatric community too? Even like people who just had surgery that are still uh, type two, right? We're told that those are okay and they're not, and they're not, they're really not. We should, we shouldn't be doing gummy vitamins yeah 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 um i i'm not a big fan that's that's for sure um so shane do you have any more to comment about sweet and low not on sweet and low i think well don't we show another package bottom line is let's see if she okay this is stevie and the raw okay and this as if we zoom in on it we'll zoom in we'll zoom in and you'll see oh look at that first ingredients dextrose yeah <laughs> right there it is it's glucose <laughs> right it's glucose. <laughs> blood glucose levels. So they call it dextrose. Okay. Dextrose is synonymous with glucose. Anytime you have any kind of a, a powder form of any kind of artificial sweetener, you're going to have some additive in it, whether it be maltodextrin, dextrose, um, erythritol, something like that. It's going to affect your blood glucose level. 
And then you'll see stevia leaf extract is the second ingredient in there. Well, and we talked about it with isomet, um, with um, uh, enantomeric uh, chemistry, but D- dextrose is D-glucose, correct? Yeah, but D-glucose is glucose. It, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> exactly. Because L-glucose is basically, they actually tried to, it's an interesting story. They tried to actually make L-glucose as a- As an artificial sweetener. Yeah. And the problem is economically, it's very, very difficult to chemically synthesize. Very difficult. Well, I think it's hard to take it from the racemitic mixture, isn't it? Really hard. You have to separate those um, those enantiomers and that's very, very expensive. Right. Okay. Anything else on, on Stevie and the Raw? No. Now we'll move on to this label. The liquid label, if you have it. I think I showed that one too. Now, and remember we, Truvia. Let's talk about Truvia too. Truvia, you showed that. We didn't zoom in on it. But remember. Yeah, it's just like a stevia and the rods. I think it's just a different marketing Right. Tool. But remember, its first ingredient was erythritol, which is a, which is a sugar alcohol, yeah. which, which that's why you have to be careful with all stevia. All the stevias are not, are not created equal. So be that's careful true. and relabels. Yeah. So here is just, a, if you look at it, serving size is five drops. Okay, so this is a liquid. You know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to come in a bottle like this. This is actually the only uh, non-caloric sweetener that I actually use in general. I'll be honest, if I'm at a restaurant, I will take Stevie in a packet. Sometimes I'll even take Splenda, but that's just very rare. You know, very, very rare. And then if I'm really, really, really clean, um, like if I'm getting ready to do a bodybuilding show, I won't use anything. No toxicity in my body at all. And I'll do that for four or five months with no sweeteners, including Stevia. We'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah. So if you look at here, now this one is actually, and you can see this for you people that have bought, purchased um, stevia before at the store in a liquid. You can buy lemon flavor. You can buy vanilla flavor. You can buy just non-flavored. This one has some water in it. Obviously, water safe. And then it's got organic stevia leaf extract, and then some natural flavors, and then some vanilla extract. So this is a vanilla flavor. But you'll notice there's no dextrose. There's no maltodextrin. There's no other anything like that. So it's just in general the only sweetener here is organic stevia leaf extract. So that's and all. that's also because it doesn't have any preservatives in it. That's why it has to be refrigerated and it has a short date. Yeah. Yeah, what, did it have a date on there? Well, I don't know. I'm guessing. Yeah, it, prob- it probably does. Yeah. Now, if no, they it, did put enough vanilla extract in there with the alcohol vanilla extract, it could be preserved it, with the alcohol, it, but they, they don't have enough. I've noticed they sometimes put alcohol in it probably as a preservative. As a preservative. Oh. Yeah, I mean, they can also use it uh, because it's a good solvent also to, del- to dissolve the stevia, but usually it's probably because of the preservative. So let me talk about stevia for just a minute. Um, there is actually some research papers out there, and I'm a scientist myself. I know how research works, and I believe a lot of it, and I'm also skeptical of a lot of research. And I don't, I don't care what the topic is. I want to read it myself and see how the studies were performed and so on and so forth. There's some data out there to say that stevia is not healthy for you. And so here's what a lot of people say. Well, it's organic or it's natural. Yeah. Here's what I want to tell you. So is heroin. So is LSD. Cocaine. Okay. So is caffeine. So is cocaine. So is nicotine. All those come from some kind of a plant. Okay. When we, whenever we actually concentrate anything, which is what we're doing with stevia, we concentrate anything that is not for its original intended use. It's probably not the best thing. It just probably isn't. So I, I assume that the reason that stevia leaf has a sweetener in it or it's sweet is I assume it's some kind of an insecticide that insects that are around that region don't eat and they don't want it. Well, in a high enough dose, and I can tell you this because we compound with stevia as a sweetener, in a high enough dose, if you taste stevia, it is bitter. And, of course, if you look at most poisons that come from plants, i.e. cocaine, um, one of the reasons the plant makes that is so animals don't eat the cocoa leaves. Um, And that could be the same thing with stevia. Now, here's one thing you have to look at, too. If you ate the whole plant, would it be like that? Probably not. But that's why you have to read it. Stevia extract. They concentrated it, just like you said. They concentrated what they think is the active ingredient in it. That's why eating the whole plant is not the same as eating one individual ingredient in the plant. It's why chewing on tobacco leaf is not the same as smoking a cigarette. That's correct. That's right. Or chewing on cocoa leaves, for that matter, is not the same as starting cocaine. (laughs) It's not. It's not. I'm not saying it's good or bad, but I think it's 
actually <laughs> actually I know there are health benefits to chewing on tobacco and chewing on cocoa leaves. They're absolutely yeah, for sure. For is sure. there a health benefit to snorting cocaine or smoking? Probably not. No. <laughs> no. Right. <laughs> okay. So where what's are we are we talk about where, where are we going next, Shane? Um, so I think we talked about the labels. We talked about mono, monosaccharides, yeah. talked about disaccharides, talked about polysaccharides. And you know, really, I, I just kind of want want as 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 Tosh and I and you have all talked, is artificial sweeteners can be a good thing. And I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do for myself. And you have to make with your personal coach like Tasha, you have to make your decision on what's going to work for you. Here's what works for me. I use stevia in my tea every morning. Okay. A couple of drops. And that's what I do every morning. If I'm at a restaurant, which I probably eat out more than most people, maybe a couple of times a week, um, I'll either have water or I will have iced tea that will have actual, and then I'll have them bring me stevia if they have it. Okay. Um, but sometimes I eat cleaner than that. And um, it's better just to have water, you know, but if I'm going to make a choice, there's an interesting research paper that I just fell across as I kind of studied this and I never really believed it, but it did look like it was double blind. It was done pretty well. Now, a lot of people say, oh, I, I you know, I'm just going to, okay, I'm sometimes sarcastic like my brother. So <laughs> I love it. I, I was, I was pouring I don't know, NutraSweet or something into my, my drink once. And somebody says, oh, that'll kill your kidneys. This guy was about a 350-pound overweight guy that was eating donuts as he was telling me that. I'm, no, I'm not joking. I'm not joking. And so here's what some people say. Oh, um, uh, NutraSweet causes you to gain weight. No, it's usually because somebody's drinking Diet Coke and eating donuts. That's what's causing them to gain weight. Right. Okay. If I have a choice, what do I drink? Real Coca-Cola with sugar or a Diet Coke? I choose a Diet Coke, and I do not drink yeah. those in excess. I drink probably less than two a week. Moderation okay. is key. Yeah. Yeah. And so, But moderation is very hard, as Tasha knows, especially for people that have weight issues. And if you actually look at the, the word moderation, dietitians use those words all the time. There is no such thing as moderation for a person that has his food addiction issues. There's not. They don't know moderation. It's not necessarily their fault. It's their brain chemistry. So yeah. the best thing to do is yeah. don't have it at all. Hate to say it. Tasha, you, you want to comment on that? Oh, yeah. I mean, I – okay, so I was that 300-pound person. Here, let me order – let me go to 7-Eleven on my way outside of town, and I'm going to get, you know, cookies and donuts and chips to fill up the downtime on my drive to Montana instead of listening to a podcast or something else on the radio, right? I made those poor choices, which is what got me over 300 pounds. Or here, let me order a Big Mac, but give me a water. You know, it's like here, I'm right? healthy with the water, but you Big Mac and supersize the fries, right? I made, I did make choices like that. I did it. And now it's like, if you put me around like no-bake cookies, me and my mom used to make those, you know, when I was a kid, I can't stop myself at one. I go in, I eat one and then I'll eat another one and then I'll sneak another one. And I'll eat like four in a day. You know how, you know how many calories are in a no bake cookie? I mean, I don't, I, I'm with you, Tasha. Right. I can I use really good control. Yep. I can do the same thing, Tasha. Right. I can do the same thing, Tasha. That's why I just don't have them in the house. Um, I don't know if some of you guys saw my post. You'll have to stay tuned for my video that I'm going to be doing on health insurance. But um, for a video shoot, I bought some Cheetos and drank some Coke. And I will tell you, um, I had to eat some of the Cheetos for the video shoot. And I will tell you, I had a big bag of Cheetos. And I will tell you, after we were done and the, and the, the video shoot was over and stuff, I had that bag of Cheetos and I had, oh, I'm going to have one. Oh, no. And I'm in the process of putting them in the garbage. And <laughs> I probably ate five or six more. And the, I, so I threw it in the garbage and turned on the compactor to crush them all down. And I dumped the Coke down the sink because if not, I would have eaten them all and drank the Coke. I mean, you know, and, and I think to people that struggle with food addictions, it's, it's kind of like, here's my opinion. It's kind of like if you're an alcoholic, you shouldn't go to a bar. If you're a recovering alcoholic, don't go to a bar. If you have food addictions, stay away from everything that tempts you. That means, you know, don't watch the food channel. I mean, right. that is just going to be more tempting, in my opinion. Um, 
So let's go Pinterest. into a few more. Pinterest for food addicts. I, I go on there a lot and I'm Pinteresting, getting recipes to modify and stuff. And then I'm like, oh, that looks good. We should make that. I wonder if we could modify this. Can we make it healthier? <laughs> right. No, it's not that healthy. Right. Yeah. Right. Let's talk about a few more artificial sweeteners. We have a few more to go and some more natural sweeteners. So this is the blue and this is um, aspartame. It's actually two amino acids put together, aspartic acid. And what's the second one, Shane, you know? Actually, I don't know. And I didn't actually know they were, they were amino acids yeah, put together. two amino acids put together. Um, so are they essential amino acids? One of them is, one of them is, and I can't remember. Okay. Uh, anyway, this is the blue. This kind of came out when saccharin, um, after saccharin got some bad publicity about causing cancer. Um, so then aspartame came out. Um, but here's one of the things. If you read the label on aspartame, what's the first ingredient on this? <laughs> You're going to love this, Shane and Tasha. First ingredient, dextrose, dextrose with maltodextrin. Oh, yeah. Great. Oh, yeah. Sounds real healthy. <laughs> so it's got a dextrose with maltodextrin, which is dextrin, which is just multiple dextrose. And um, aspartame is the second ingredient. And the third one, and a lot of people don't realize this one, this is, which is a really sweet substance, um, is asulfan potassium. Uh, and it's a really, really potent sweetener also. I didn't know until I just read this that um, Equal, which this is called, has asulfan potassium in it. So there again, you got to be careful with the labels. Is this going to, could this affect your blood sugar? Absolutely. It's got dextrose in it. It's got glucose in it, period. Um, so the next one we're going to go over is the newest artificial sweetener that I can remember is is because these other ones started getting bad press is um, Splenda, uh, which is also the yellow um, sucralose. It was when it came out, it was known as kind of being the safest possibly. And uh, I'm looking at the can you zoom in on that and I'll read the ingredient. Oh, first oh, ingredient. First let's take a guess. <laughs> dextrose. Second ingredient, maltodextrin. So there you go. Can it affect your blood sugar? Absolutely. Um, so those are those are artificial sweeteners, and you know because people are so into natural stuff, they 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 gravitate towards natural, and it's all a marketing gimmick in a lot of ways. Like Shane said about stevia, it still comes from a plant. You know, aspartame. It's got two amino acids. You can't tell me that that's not natural. So that's natural, but we call it an artificial sweetener. That's why you have to really, you know, think about what these mean and what's what's in them. So um, this actually is, um, this is, and I didn't know I had this, but I have some of this. It's monk fruit sweetener. Um, it's green like stevia, so you could get it mixed up easy. Um, first ingredient. Um, you know, monk fruit's a natural plant, right? And monk fruit is kind of like stevia in the sense that it's not, um, it doesn't have sucrose in it. It is a, it is a, it is a sweetener in itself. But what does the monk fruit have in it? What's the first ingredient? Uh, let's just take a guess. Uh, it is erythritol, so uh, sugar alcohol. Second ingredient, fructose. Um, and then this is interesting, chicory root flavor, stevia leaf extract, and then monk, monk fruit extract. So read your labels. I mean, definitely read your labels. So check that out in there. Um, what, and then here's another one that's a natural sweetener. And I've heard people talk about this. Oh, no, I – and I'm going to get Shane's opinion on this. And uh, Shane, I was, I'm putting you on the hot seat because you, you weren't prepared for this. Um, so, oh, no, I, I, I don't use any kind of – you know, artificial sweeteners or any sucrose or high fructose corn syrup. I use agave syrup. Shane, what's your thought about agave syrup? Um, it's a natural sugar. I mean, agave <laughs> agave means means cactus. It means cactus in Spanish, and so all it is is you're using cactus nectar, or just like and, you and, use maple syrup from a maple tree. It's right. It's, and what what is most? What do most? You know, if you think of most plants, what kind of of sugar do they usually excrete it finally I, turns in some kind of a fructose fructose you know? agave is mostly fructose okay. and of course you let it sit long enough it'll become a saccharide just like no, most you let it sit too long, it'll become it'll become tequila <laughs> that's true right <laughs> right it will it'll ferment you gotta you know, yeast, yeast is ubiquitous, I guess, but throw some <laughs> yeast in there and then it, it will ferment for sure. <laughs> 
<laughs> so, um, okay, last topic that we want to discuss is, and this we could talk on for hours, is that on these artificial sweeteners, first of all, we talked about moderation, and I, I'm I'm big on that. Um, moderation in everything we do, um, but uh, one of the things that they even talk about even in moderation is that these artificial sweeteners can affect your gut biome. Shane, will you discuss that a little bit? Yeah. You know, again, I'd have to see the research on it. Um, I mean, especially some of them, uh, uh, I don't remember which ones. some of them are chlorinated and certainly if there's chlorinate, if they're chlorinated that you could probably have some kind of a hydrochloric acid reaction or something like that from some SN2 or some, some kind of reaction that probably could hurt your gut biome or hurt the bacteria, the good bacteria in your gut. I really don't know. And what I will say about gut biome as well is we don't know in general. When people tell me about what a good gut biome is and what a bad gut gut biome is, I don't think they really know. And I don't care if they're a Nobel Prize winning winning person in medicine or in chemistry or in science or whatever it is. I don't think we really know there's too many things going on. My gut biome is different today than it was yesterday. It'll be different again tomorrow. Dynamic. It's very, very dynamic. And so um, what when, when somebody gets their even their gut biome tested, it – by the time you get the test result, it's probably not even relative anymore. You know, or, or, or well, I can tell you this. You know, being in healthcare and and treating people with gut biome issues, I will tell you, if you're having issues, then that's going to be different. That's true. Um, that's true. You know, so I, you know, I don't have issues, but I but I have right. in the past, and I just switched yeah. some things up that I actually changed, and it made a bit a, a big big difference, and so. Um, so yes, I absolutely think they can hit, they can affect their, the the gut biomes. Anything we ingest can affect our our gut biomes. You know, alcohol definitely affects the gut biome. Oh. Alcohol time. is a toxin. Alcohol is a poison. Yeah, and that and that's and so so is a sweetener. You know, artificial yeah. sweeteners or natural sweeteners are poisons. They oh, that being said, so aspartame um, is actually metabolized to uh, methanol. Is so, it methanol? Which is, Methanol. It's methanol. Right. Okay. Yeah. Got which it. is, you know, wood alcohol, um, you know, the alcohol we drink is ethanol. This is methanol, wood alcohol known to be a poison. So now that being said, it's in small amounts and, you know, but here again, um, it, and so if you're healthy already, you know, you should be able to tolerate that and be able to metabolize that into, and, and excrete it. But if you get too much of it, obviously wood alcohol is poison for sure. So, and that's the thing is like, if it's toxic, why take it? Yeah, but there again, um, you know, every food we eat, whether it be uh, meat or plant, there are certain toxins in there that if our body, you know, think about the, the bad bacteria that are in meat, the bad bacteria and the bad funguses that are in meat, some kind of meat. Um, our body has to deal with those. And the, they're toxic if we don't have a good immune system. So that's we, why, it's, you know… Before we get some vegan that's saying that meat is bad, let's just also say that there's bacteria and vegetables as well. Oh, for sure. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> right. Everywhere. Bacteria, protozoal, and funguses are ubiquitous. They're everywhere. That's why we need to be able to deal with them. Viruses are everywhere. Or inflammatory chemicals are in vegetables besides meat. I just want to be very careful there. <laughs> of course you did. He's going to label this as a, as a vegan podcast, dude, and you do not want <laughs> No, I think people are clear that it, this isn't a vegan podcast. So, all right, we're we're uh, getting short on time here, so we're getting ready to wrap up. So, Tasha, uh, what would you like to end this podcast with? With uh, truth and labeling, or how would you like to educate our educate and empower our our listeners? Okay, so I know this question's going to come up. So, if I choose a sweetener, what are my best two choices? Two choices. Um, first of all, I think Shane made it pretty clear um, that Stevia Drops is probably the best choice. It has the least – it's going to affect your glucose the least. And my personal opinion is the second choice would be if you don't have any underlying diabetes. My other – if you do, then that one – that Stevia Drops are nothing. But my second one would be Stevia um, Packets. I, Truvia – or stevia in the raw, I think would be would be the best. Shane. And what? Where would 
where would monk fruit come in? Because that's pretty popular. I mean, that's pretty popular out there. So yeah, like- I think monk fruit is going to be right along the lines of stevia. Um, honestly, uh, I just don't have a lot of experience with it. But um, monk the fruit, time, I think, could yeah. The one time I tried monk fruit, monk fruit, it didn't taste good at all. So I threw it away. Well, I can tell you, I just, I got to tell you this anecdotal evidence. Um, Our producer just made a cup of coffee today with monk fruit that I didn't know we had in the pharmacy. Where is it? And, and it tasted nasty. (laughs) That's what I thought too. But anyway, it's, it's a personal choice, personal choice, but I would stick with stevia drops. If, if, if anything is stevia drops. And you know, a, a good thing about stevia drops is you can actually go through a lot really easy. So it's expensive. And I think that that's good. It right. makes people think about using it. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, okay, Shane, how would you what – are, what are your parting words for today's podcast? I just think that, first of all, it's been a pleasure and an honor. Thanks again for letting me be on your show. And, uh, you know, definitely read labels. Even read and and think about the little things. Think about those little packets that you put in your coffee or your tea or what's in your Diet Coke. Think about those things and actually what it's doing to your body. That is, you know, is is it the most important thing? No, and Tasha would probably tell you this. No, if you're 300 pounds and you have type 2 diabetes, we're not going to be probably first talking about artificial sweeteners. You got to get some other things figured out first. But once you start getting things dialed in with your diet and your movement and your relationships and how you rest, um, and then you start getting into the details, think about what are the sweeteners that you're putting into your body for sure. I love it. All right. Well, thank you two experts for being on today. You guys are a pleasure to have on. Um, I love it. So you've been listening to Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. Tune in Thursday. We have Nikki. She is a physician's assistant in uh, northern Idaho. And she's going to be talking about what she does with her direct primary care practice and how she takes care of first responders and military patients in particular. So you don't want to miss out on that one. Um, Tune in. Thursday, 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. As always, thank you for listening and watching. Thank you, our guest today, Tasha and Shane. We love having you guys on. Thank you for listening. 